Hello and welcome to Mother Roots. I am your host, Lisa Brenner. And once again, we will be introducing ourselves through our matrilineal line. So I will go first. So my name is Lisa. I am the granddaughter of Rhea, the daughter of Karen, and mother to Kaya, Bodhi, and Arjuna. And I'm really excited to have my dear friend Jules here with me today to have a conversation all about motherhood. So welcome, Jules. Ah, thank you. My name is Jules. I am the granddaughter of Norma, the daughter of Tani, and the mother of Tara and Hayden. Yay. <laughs> also, if you'd like to share a bit about yourself as well and your work. Yes, I would love to, Lise. First of all, I'm excited to be here today. Welcome to everyone uh, for listening. I, my name is Jules Hare, as Lisa said, and I love working with people and helping them to reimagine what they think they're capable of, to bring them back into relationship with their body. I'm a cranial sacral therapist, massage therapist by trade. I've been doing that for about 30 years, uh, but my greatest, newest passion is actually as an intuitive embodiment coach. I am deeply loving that work, and in my past, I used to work with a lot of uh, kids and adults, families, sometimes dogs and animals, farm animals as well, like you never limit your capacity, of course, uh, but uh, lately, I have been utilizing my pediatric specialty uh, to work with inner children and uh, to do a lot of work with leaders and embodied leadership has been something that is just calling to me and I've not fully stepped into it until the last couple of years. And so now I'm fully stepping in and super excited about the, uh, the results that I'm getting, the impact it's having on this beautiful world of these uh, sisters and brothers that I'm connecting to who are really open and willing to discover their true capacity. So I'm excited to share whatever comes up here today, Lisa. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so I've known you for quite some time and it's been really beautiful too to witness the evolution of your work and, and the work that you're doing now really just, um, it just seems like a natural, <laughs> a natural progression um, that, uh, yeah, just makes sense and, and fits you so well. So it's really beautiful to see. <laughs> I actually had one of my, uh, one of the women that I've mentored in the past say to me, Jules, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's one of those things where everyone else around you can see it except for yourself, right? <laughs> Story of all of our lives, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh. Uh, well, I'm so looking forward to chatting with you today. Um, so Jules, you were part of the original moms group <laughs> for me because um, our oldest are pretty close in age. And so I remember that I met you when I was pregnant with Kaya. Um, I think Hayden was just a wee, a wee lad at that time. And the first time that I met you, I was, was, was with a couple of other women that knew you. We all went out for lunch and then you came in for the lunch portion. And I was just talking about my upcoming home birth and that I was wanting to do a water birth. And you're like, well, I've got a birth pool. And I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> so the next time that I saw you, you brought your birth pool for me to borrow. Um, so that was our first meeting. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. I I do remember it. I didn't realize it was our very first meeting, but it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no, right? It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And it was just, you know, it was amazing for me because I had recently moved to Kitchener and really didn't know anyone. And, you know, it was Jessica living above me that took me out to the mom's group at the community center um, and just introduced me to, you know, 
our whole friend network. So just so many beautiful women that had similar mindsets. So I just felt so blessed to meet you all <laughs> when I did and, you know, stepping into that mothering role where everyone else was also just, you know, just a little bit ahead of me as well. So really lovely to have all that, that mentorship and that friendship at that time. Yes, it was so beautiful because I remember we all have funny memories. I often say I don't have a bad memory. I just have a memory that works in funny <laughs> ways because the parts that I remember are uh, you and your partner at the time, Mac, coming over. And he wasn't Mac at that time because I'm pretty sure my daughter named him that like many years <laughs> later. Uh, but Mike, you and Mike came over and I remember the superhero party. And everybody hanging out with their babies all dressed up and we all dressed up as superheroes. And uh, that knowing that everywhere I looked uh, were people that had kids that were my age, like that were the kids age, we're all different ages. Uh, but we all understood that we were there for one another and we all knew what each other were going through. And I think that is super imperative. And when I when I work with you know, when I work with babies, because I specialize in pediatrics and babies, um, when I work with families, I will often ask, like, how is your support looking? Do you have other people your age that aren't your family? Um, and not necessarily your age. What I mean is with kids the same age uh, mm -hmm. that you can lean into, like, what does your support network look like? Because that is so super important to know that you don't feel like you're alone, especially during those early stages of parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so incredibly important. So important. <laughs> and I definitely mm -hmm. noticed that, you know, that was something I was lacking the third time around. Um, so with the older two, you know, everybody was still hanging out and doing our thing, but then everybody's kids were starting to get older. A lot of people like went back to work or got busier and things happened. Um, then I had a third baby so much later. So at that time, I was really lacking that village and that support network. And, you know, I was also super busy with the older kids and doing all those things. So it's not like I it was a different phase, right? It's like when you have your first baby, it's like there's really not a whole lot else going on, but relaxing and, you know, we can go to the park or go for walks or do all these things. But as you, you know, get through life with older children and jobs and everything else, you just don't have that same like luxury really, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Yeah. There's uh there's something to be said about, uh, about all of the ages and stages. And like you said, once your kids are moving around everywhere, I remember we were at some of those baby, baby me groups and our friend Jackie was like, her kids were a couple of years older and she came because she wanted to hang out with us, but her kids didn't want to hang out like at the toddler splash pad. They wanted to be at the playground. They want to be at the swings. And so we didn't even get to see right. her the whole time. And it was only probably about a two year difference that her kids were two years older. Right. So it does make right. a dramatic difference in those early stages. And we had kids that were all within like six to eight months of each other. Like we were very, very lucky when yeah. you think about how beautiful and coherent that uh, that group was for so long. Yeah, yeah, for such a long time. It was really beautiful. We were like gatherings at your place all the time and potlucks and kids were just running around everywhere. And it was just such a, it was just so great to to have that, that network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just the thought of all those kids running around playing together, just like, makes my heart so ah yeah like dance on the inside yeah it was it was the noise is uh, such a beautiful memory <laughs> there's a lot of yeah noise. <laughs> yes for sure <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so if I were to ask you what does motherhood mean to you like what does being a mother mean to you Wow. I, <laughs> I was saying this to my husband the other day, Phil, uh, and I know you can relate to this too, Lisa, but I said, being a mother is like such an amazing gift because you're watching them grow and you get to like go through all of these beautiful stages with them and watch them discover and 
they teach you by pushing your buttons and you get super frustrated. Then like a friend of mine said to me the other day, he's got young kids. Uh, he lives down the road here. And he said, how do people who don't have kids continuously grow? I just don't get it. He said, I'm being challenged endlessly. I don't think anything could challenge me to the point that I'm growing right now. I was like, yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Um, so uh, yeah, motherhood is just such a, it's a beautiful dance. I think it's different as well when you're dancing it with fatherhood as well versus by yourself. Mm-hmm. I, that needs to be acknowledged that motherhood on its own uh, for all of the single moms that I know is a completely different dance than motherhood with fatherhood paired together. So, um, but in my own experience of motherhood, speaking to the dad fatherhood role, I said, I said to him, cause we have teenagers right now. So different stage, you know, this stage least I said, the most ridiculous thing about having teenagers is that if this was anybody else in your world, you would lay down very strong boundaries. And if they kept pushing those boundaries, you would say, I'm sorry, but we can't be friends anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, right. You cannot do that with your teenagers. You, the whole premise of this relationship that you have formed has brought you to this point where the tug of war is going to be the strongest at this moment, like for many years, (laughs) right? Like I can't foresee the end. I'm sure there will be, it'll shift as they, all these stages do. But normally you have this relationship with anybody else in your world. And if it wasn't working out, you could talk to them and rationalize it. You could work it through. If you talked with them and, and you couldn't work it through and the emotional intelligence wasn't on par with where you were at, you would have to make a hard decision to end that relationship or put really strong firm boundaries on that relationship so that that person couldn't continuously like beat on you uh, emotionally, energetically, physically, whatever it is. Versus with a teenager, you have to just keep holding strong in your boundaries, just like you had to stay consistent with them doing the chores when they were littler or stay consistent with like, you got to put your boots on when we go outside on the gravel, right? Like there are certain <laughs> things that are glass, I should say, because, you know, kids can get used to gravel, um, but there's, there's an entirely different dynamic with holding the line when it comes to teenagers that I never could have possibly grasped until actually having them myself. There, you can't learn these lessons on your own and not to say that step parents and foster parents. And of course, like you don't have to be biological to be raising kids um, and be involved in motherhood and fatherhood. But that dramatic like hold that you have to do. And so when I think of motherhood, it's the continual holding of space for yourself and for the other. Uh, That uh, knowing that a part of your heart is forever connected to something outside of yourself that you have no control over in the end Mm -hmm. and the continual growing that comes with letting go of that as you let them grow into who they are knowing that yeah you have no say over that in the grand scheme of things and you have to just keep keep loving them no matter what it's really the hardest job ever nobody would sign up for that like if that was like a job description like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> except so for the true, connection right? except for the connection right the connection is is worth its weight in gold and there's nothing that you would exchange it for in the entire world right but uh, it's hard it's really hard to explain to anybody who's never been a, a parent that's for sure yeah absolutely yeah yeah I always just think that's just you know it's this continual process of letting go <laughs> right from the moment you give birth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have ways to keep yourself grounded in all of this? Oh, in my parenting, I guess life, <laughs> parenting myself. Yeah. yeah um, there was a really challenging situation not that many months ago where my son was away from me, like thousands of kilometers away from me and back in Kitchener, actually. <laughs> I don't know if that's thousands of kilometers, maybe that's only hundreds, but he was really far, far. away. 
from from me on the Bay of Fundy right now. And uh, I just, you know, random call that uh, he had witnessed his friend get hit by the LRT train. Um, and I was just finishing up with a client, caught off guard by, you know, the emergency call that came through my phone when my phone's on silent. I was like, what the heck is going on? Um, and not being there for the cascade of emotions and, and situations and uh, experiences that happened there because I wasn't there, right? And right. knowing that he is 16 and he is a super, super grounded and calm and caring individual. He's got street smarts. He grew up downtown Kitchener. He knows his way in the world and in his body and in his emotions, but I couldn't be there for him. And because of how everything played out, he had a certain assumption of how I felt and he wouldn't talk to me. Mm. And so it was like, uh, I, as a mom, nothing could have prepared me for that. Like, I just felt like I was reeling. I said to Phil, I said, I feel like I'm spinning, right? He didn't know if his friend was going to survive. Um, right. I was only getting stories from other people. My mom was overprotective of him, of course, because she was with him and seeing him and I wasn't. And I had nothing. I had nothing to grab onto. There were like only strings. I grabbed at every string, like haphazardly, like <laughs> imagine like Tarzan in the jungle. I wasn't even checking to see if it was, if it was a strong a enough line before like jumping, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so when it came to that, I, I was honestly like, I don't know what to do. I've never come across this before in my life with my kid, like <gasps> all of the, the strategies that I normally would use, especially when I'm working with my clients, which I've been doing for 30 years. So that ability to be able to step back is very well developed with clients, but with my own family, with my own kids, I've never had to use that skill before. And I had to just keep you know, going into meditation, pulling myself into that space of holding space and that being all and the most important thing I can do. And I can't say that I wasn't spinning still because I was spinning for a while. And um, I made mistakes uh, and there were you know, repercussions to those mistakes of like my reaching and <gasps> like, you know, exhausting all of the options that I thought I needed to use in order to be able to let go. Um, and that, those are things I still will probably continue to work on when it comes to uh, my relationship with him. Because as we all know from being kids of our own parents, there are things we still hold grudges on or like we'll remember forever. And uh, those, they're, not, uh, they're not easy to repair. And um, not that I need to repair those, but knowing that the tools are continuously um, immerse, immersively revealing themselves and that uh, you don't always have them in your box when you need them. Uh, yes. I, yes. I'm surprised sometimes also on the contrary, uh, when crazy things do happen and you, you know, I walked into a room where I was like, Whoa, this should not be happening, but I don't want to scare people because sexuality is important, but here's what, you know, here are some questions and let's make sure that everybody feels uncomfortable with the fact that I'm here and, uh, and that they were caught doing something that uh, I had already asked oh. them not to, uh, not to be involved in or get themselves into this situation. Right. <laughs> so oh sometimes I, sometimes I catch myself calmly um, engaging where I'm like, wow, where did that calmness come from? I would have thought I would have freaked out at that moment. Um, so I think my continual practice of holding space for myself, holding space for others, and as a, you know, as a parent, as a pediatric therapist, uh, working and engaging with lots of other parents, having heard a lot of stories about how the parents responding affected their kids, right? So I have a feel for my kids and know how this is going to impact them. Not, of course, exactly. Right. But uh, knowing that I can't let my fears and my projections uh, impose onto them when, they, when they're not necessary. 
And that is one of the most powerful pieces of that. And that's like when I was writing my book, uh, Raise Future Leaders, it was one of those most important pieces of going, what's my shit and what's not like, what's not my shit, right? Because I need to look at like, am I just reacting and throwing my stuff at them? Because if that's the case, I need to calm the fuck down first. <laughs> right, right. Oh, even if it's just a couple of breaths, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's so, um, like, it's so challenging too to like not overreact and try to stay calm to be there to support but also like not go too far the other way as well right it's such a a fine it's a fine line it's a balance yes and and yeah and we're not going to get it right every time it's uh because we're we're just learning too you know um right I think uh (laughs) I just just reminded like something that Mac always says to the kids too it's like well this is my first time having like a you know five-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old, like wherever they are, right? It's like, it's my first time doing this too. So you also have to give me some slack, you know? <laughs> I'm, I've heard him say that as one of my yeah. good friends as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's it is that we, we have this tendency to think it's supposed to, we're supposed to be perfect parents. When in reality, our kids need to see us make mistakes, apologize for said mistakes yes. and recognize like, oh, this is a, an opportunity to see that our parents are actually humans as well. And it's okay to make mistakes. Like if you were a perfect parent all the time, you're, you know, where's the learning in that mm-hmm. for your kids to recognize there's room to grow for them when they get older too. Right. Like you should sure. be a good role model by, you know, fucking up sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, it's just, it's, and like, you know, with those situations, like it, it's all in the repair, right? So it's like, I can't be perfect every time. I'm also human and I'm just figuring this out as we go here as well. Um, but then just acknowledging, okay, I don't think I handled that the best. Like we need to sit down and have a conversation now. And, you know, I apologize. I explain my thinking or, you know, things that I did or said that I probably shouldn't have. And, and we go on from there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's important to know that it's never the end. As somebody said the other day, they said, your kids are going to be adults with you for longer than their kids with you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And when you think about it, it's like, oh my goodness, my son just, uh, he woke up the other day from a 13 hour, you know, overnight sleep. It's like, wake up, it's one thirty, And he woke up and he stood up and I was like, hey, it's. I think you're taller than me today. <laughs> and we went to the, uh, we went to the measuring, you know, whatever you call it, the doorway, the measuring doorway. Uh, and yeah, indeed he had grown like, you know, half a centimeter or half a, an inch, half an inch taller. Oh than my gosh. Now. I was like, Oh wow. Wow. So like, he's now at that point where his, you know, not disproportionate, he hasn't fully grown into his body yet, but <laughs> so is the life of a teenage boy. Um, but He's now at that point where uh, visually he's an adult with me, right? And there, right. there's a stage, right? Where you're like, okay, he's still a teenager, but he is visually the same, the same size as me now. Wow. Yeah. This is a new stage. Yeah. Yeah. I've totally noticed that as well. Like Kaya, you know, you're taller than me. So <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not I'm saying I'm not short, but I'm not super tall either. <laughs> But Kaya has uh, surpassed me now, like, you know, just a little bit, but she's definitely taller than me, which she likes to point out all the time as well. Um, <laughs> you do. Thank you. I, yeah, justifiably of so. <laughs> of course. Absolutely. I, I would do the same. Um, but yeah, like I was really noticing the other day, we were walking down the street and like I had all the kids with me and, you know, like Arjun's only five and she's 15. So there's such a, a big <laughs> difference there. And, you know, she's a little bit taller than me. So, and like, I also, I've seen for a long time too, that in his eyes, it's like, it's his big sister, but he also sees her as like, you know, a bigger person, right? Because she's, she's the same size as me. Like her body is the same as mine. <laughs> so it's this whole other, this whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's incredible to watch kids grow. Uh, yeah. And to grow into their personalities, to grow into their 
bodies to grow into their skills and talents. Like Hayden the other day mm-hmm. taught me how to play um, a blues riff on the guitar and he's way better at it than me. <laughs> and now he just rolls his eyes when I'm like, Hey, what was that? What was that chord? Was that at the fifth or the third? He's like, which one mom? Right. Like, and then he gets like short with me because I can't remember. Right. I'm like, <gasps> I know this makes him happy. <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that's so funny (laughs) did you always want to be a mother was that something that you always Mm. had in the back of your mind yeah you know it's it's funny because my uh my cousin Trish she was three years older than me growing up and so every time I went over to my dad's my mom and dad got divorced when I was like two and so I only remember going every second weekend to my grandma's farm or my dad farm there on the weekend in Mayford. And uh, my cousin and I would hang out. And so we grew up like hanging out together, tickling each other's backs before bed. And it was like, you know, she was, she was my sister, my sister at the farm. And uh, uh, she always wanted to have kids. Like she just like always wanted to be a mother. And so I didn't really think that I, uh, I had that to that degree where I always wanted to be a mother because she was like dead set. Like, I'm going to be a mom. I can't wait to be a mom. That's what I'm going to do. And I was like, well, I got all sorts of things I want to do. Like, I might want to be a mom, but like, I really want to travel the world. I really want to like, you know, snowboard instructor. I wanted to like, you know, be a firefighter possibly like, can you do a guy? I just, I want to do all sorts of things. So I was like, I can't picture not having kids, but I also like, it also wasn't like my number one attachment. Mm-hmm. So it was very funny that uh, when I had my first child, it was one year after she had her first child. Okay. <laughs> she was like, oh, Jules. I was like, I didn't plan on this. In fact, I, I thought that I would like be at least 30 by the time I was having kids. Cause my mom was 32 when she first had kids. I thought it would like, you know, by the time I had done all the things I wanted to do. And I remember Phil saying to me, when we found out we were pregnant with Hayden, I was like, isn't this a bit early? I was 24 at the time. And uh, he said, well, what did you want to do before you had kids? I said, well, I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to start my career. And he said, you've already done all those things, Jules. And I was like, oh, I think I thought it would take longer. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So Kind of yes and kind of no. And when it when it finally happened, my wonderful surprise, I was ready for it as well. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I always find it's just so interesting because people often are like very staunchly like, yes, like I'm having children. Like remember all kinds of friends growing up were like that. And and I was never that way. Um I was just like, oh well, I can't like. You know, maybe I'll have like my own apartment or something one day. You know? That'll be my child. <laughs> I can't, or a dog or a pet, right? I always want to have a dog. Uh, something, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. Well, Phil, actually, my partner, he was the opposite. He had just been divorced and he had like promised that he never wanted to have kids, right? So he was like, like staunchly object to having kids, not, not so much so it was going to be a relationship breaker, but he had made that promise to himself in his last relationship, right? And so, you know, for him, it was, it was a bigger shift than it was for me. Right, okay. Yeah, but I mean, he's still like, there was no, like, I've seen couples have really strong opposing beliefs about it. It was never to that degree. That can be an entirely different conflict when it's alive in a relationship. Yeah, not mm-hmm. even close to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's probably, it's going to be a big question, probably hard to answer, but is there, is there something that you've absolutely loved about being a mom? It might be hard to just pick one, but. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's, um, it's like a, it's like a slow burn. It's like, um, like the difference between, uh, eating sugar and eating like a, like a good, like avocado fat or something, right? Like there's, there's so much, uh, so much in my world that I would otherwise just jump 
and jump, 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 jump to the next thing. Uh, I think having kids has been a really beautiful uh, relationship builder to keep coming back to that, to keep, to keep bringing attention and nourishment to that uh, because, because the kids, when they were little, needed it. And sometimes it felt like an overwhelming, like, yeah, the need is so great. I just like stopped needing me so much. Like this is intense. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. right. To now as they're teenagers, like, could you just need me a little bit more? Like <laughs> just even just a little bit. <laughs> um, so it's gone through its, its stages, but it's, it's brought me to that place of, of being present and slowing down more and more and more, which helps me be present with my own body, which helps me be more patient with myself, which in my philosophy of the world, the more patient and um, present we are with ourselves, the more we're helping the world because the universe is within us. And that's the only place that we have access to it is through us. Uh, but my favorite parts of, of my parenting journey are watching those kids take the, the skills and their own innate gifts and actually like putting them to work. Now, not, not for me, because I find that when it comes to kids, it has to be somebody else that's catalyzing that because I, you know, I can't, I'm too close and they, you know, right. they have a relationship with me that's too deeply developed and, you know, they, they know I'm watching and they know like, just like we all do, it's much easier to raise someone else's kid <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. just to catalyze it a little bit. <laughs> uh, but when they finally step into like, when I hear um, Hayden playing guitar and singing in his room and just really stepping into that thing that he has developed, that talent, and that you can feel just like moves from his heart through his voice, through his fingers as he plays. It's like, oh, those are just like nourishment to my soul. When I see Tara drawing or like, you know, endlessly practicing her Ollie until she's so excited to share it with me because she's like accomplished something. They're both driven and motivated by different things. Uh, I always say it's the Adkins gene in us, the competition in our female line. It's always about competition. Uh, and for Hayden, it's much, much softer and more, um, more subtle and more um, in depth that comes out when it bubbles out to the surface. It's beautiful. When Tara's compassion and empathy bubbles to the surface, it's beautiful because it's, you know, complimentary of her like deep desire to like compete and perform and do better than, and, you know, it's, it's, it's that beautiful dichotomy of, uh, when you see it all blend blend together, right? Even just the other day, um, we were driving and it was, it was a really sad story, but uh, all of a sudden this baby fawn ran onto the road in front of the car that was coming the opposite direction and mm -hmm. it hit it. And this baby fawn, we watched it just like, and make this really sad noise as it got hit and pulled underneath the wheel of the car. <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh, Tara. And Tara said, why did we have to see that? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I said, I feel it, it the sound. She said, oh, you heard the sound too. And mm -hmm. we, just, we just sat with it, just sat for a little while. And she said, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine how Hayden might've felt when he saw his friend get hit. And wow. it's, it's moments like that where that empathy comes out where that's another one of my like favorite like parenting moments where you're like ah yeah she you know she does see it and she does feel it and it's there and you don't always get to mm -hmm. see it because we do so much processing inside and our kids do as well right right so uh it's it's those moments where they're where their true gifts shine that we don't always get to be present for and see because mm -hmm. as they get older they're with their peers more and they're in a whole different space but yeah those are the moments that uh there there are moments of pride when they're shining and they're happy about their accomplishments and you get to just be there to witness it and they look back mm -hmm. at you just kind of like when they were kids in gymnastics and they did something and and they look to you and you're like yeah celebrate yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's those moments that uh those are the most like Bleh deep nourishing ones in that regard. I mean, there's some really painful 
awful ones that in the grand scheme of things are equally mm-hmm. nourishing and rewarding. They just don't have that same beautiful shimmery light to them at the time. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, ah, yeah, there's so many beautiful glimmering moments and so many heart-shattering ones too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, sometimes you can't have one ones without the other because we learn through that uh, through the the darkness uh, where the light has room for the cracks to go through right like the light goes through the cracks yeah exactly yeah yeah so did you want to talk a little bit about uh, the work that you do Um, especially thinking you know with like especially the craniosacral with infants and um I know you definitely treated uh, all three of my kids after after they were born, some of them pretty immediately. <laughs> I had the great honor of, uh, of treating Arjuna, I think, when he was just yeah, yeah a day or maybe, two old. Maybe a day old, yeah. I still have the picture, too. <laughs> Such a cutie. <laughs> yes. So <sighs> I remember when I was a kid, I loved working with kids, and I wasn't sure whether I would work with uh, whether I work with kids or animals, uh, but when you work with animals, you work with their owners because the owners project their stuff onto the animals. When you're working with kids, you're working with the parents because it's the parents' stuff that just happens to be projected onto the kids because you're their close people, right? right. Um, so I specialize in cranial sacral therapy for pediatrics for oh, probably 20 years. Uh, now, I, I have taught actually many people in the KW area, midwives, doulas, uh, nurses, holistic nutritionists, massage therapists. Uh, I've taught the cranial sacral for infants course there, as well as I've taught it now here in New Brunswick twice too. Uh, so it's one of my greatest um, joys is teaching all these different moms and, and uh, professionals, uh, practitioners, you know, whoever is interested in it, I try to make it as simple as possible for teaching so that there can be more people in the world that can do craniosacral for uh, kids, uh, for babies especially, so that babies can decompress the birth trauma as soon after birth as possible. And it's okay if it's like only at a year old, that's completely fine too. Uh, but so many uh, traumas can happen within the birth canal or within, you know, gestational period, or, you know, once they're, once they're out and latching and sucking difficulties, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it is so great when I train a cohort of people that just go out and they just want to practice on babies and, and you know, that, that everybody is going to, you know, going to push that into the world and because of their excitement in new ways, more babies are going to get treated and you don't even know the impact uh, that w- it will have because you're kind of uh, decreasing that potential early on. So it doesn't happen. <laughs> so you never know right. if it would cause an issue later on. Right. Um, but it's amazing working with babies because babies, they respond so quickly. Uh, their cranial bones are just, uh, they're just like bony plates floating in membrane. So the only reason that they stay stuck is it's because it's the only, the only position that they know, you know, for the past two days or for the past three months, they've just only known that tension pattern. And so they, they can't decompress it on their own. And God knows they try, they try through screaming, they try through kicking, they try through putting themselves in really awkward positions because uh, they are so wise. They know that, that something isn't right. Uh, And, you know, we just can't understand why they're doing what they're doing oftentimes. Now that can be a physical like trauma, that can be an intergenerational pain sequencing. Uh, there are oftentimes like, you know, sometimes a baby has come in, a baby spirit has come in, but there's some, there's some um, discontinuity between mom and baby or maybe between mom and dad. And the baby is trying to like make them aware of that. Or quite possibly, you know, there's a brother or sister dynamic that's all coming into play. So it's a great benefit. Uh, often I'll, I'll say to the, the people coming in for the course, when we have baby participants, I said, if you have, if you have like older siblings that you could bring in, it would be great if mom and dad and the older sister could come in with the baby, uh, because it's the whole dynamic. You don't want to just look at the baby 
the baby is just like one little plant in the garden. The whole family makes up the garden. So if you can look at all of the pieces of the garden, then the whole family can grow together. And I have worked uh, with several families where it's just been so beautiful when they're able to, uh, to be together and do those releases and have a conversation about the birth at the same time as, mm-hmm. as the, you know, the sibling is playing with a toy and then the sibling adds in something about when mom was giving birth and the mom was like, I didn't even know that she heard that. And, you know, just like all those pieces that only come out in a dynamic situation like that. And that's the great beauty of working with babies. Uh, I've recently then, like I said, moved towards working with uh, leaders and a lot of these leaders, I'm sure you won't be surprised, are moms, right? Moms who are ready to step into their power, moms who want to be amazing role models for their kids that know they're not stepping into what their full, full capacity is, and they know they're ready for more. And there's nothing that's more propelling of a force than that, than having kids, right? For moms. Yes. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's really uh, beautiful to know I'm still working with the families uh, even though I don't treat as many people here, uh, as many kids here, I am still grateful to treat the kids that I do, but it feels like my practice is shifting more to the empowerment of the moms and the dads, um, so that they can step into and be amazing role models for their family unit. And Phil is doing the same thing. He's more stepping into the dads. I'm more stepping into the moms, but you know, regardless, however it works out, it's that, it's that raising your own inner leader. And a lot of the times you won't be surprised about this. You are parenting yourself. You're reaching back in time and space, possibly intergenerationally to, you know, to the, the heritage lines of your, uh, your old ancestral lines, or you're reaching back to when you were a kid and something pretty intense or traumatic happened to you that was impactful, that changed the way that you thought about something. And in order to move through the new uh, paradigm that you're looking to step into, you need to repattern and disembody whatever that old program or paradigm was holding on to. Mm-hmm. That's my jam. That's what I love. <laughs> <laughs> and I do that through like long distance cranial sacral therapy. I've recently been um, doing uh, sound bowls and toning has come up a lot. I'm wow. sure that you've probably noticed this with a lot of your female clients. Like our voices are coming alive it's like you can't stop the voice from coming through these days like yes it, yeah the power is coming up and erupting within the, the divine feminine within all of us men included and that energy and nurturance that comes from the depth of the connection between the womb and the voice is so huge and it has such a capacity it's such an amazing container that it's I, i've noticed it come alive in so many women lately as they step into even just the potential of embodying their capacity it starts to come alive it's phenomenal yeah yeah that's so incredible yeah so such a a powerful thing and it's so beautiful to see that happening in so many Mm -hmm. yeah um so i know you've um we had talked about this before, but I was actually just reading one of your latest emails to your beautiful emails that you send out um, that your long distance work has been just as powerful, if not even more so than working directly in person. <laughs> so how are you finding all of that? Well, first of all, if somebody were to have told me that like 10 years ago, I would have been like, even five years ago, I would have been like, what? No, that's not possible. <laughs> How is that possible? Not, not that I didn't think it was possible in the quantum realm, obviously, um, because anything is possible there and time and space is irrelevant. But when it comes to my practice, when I lived in Kitchener, I had a year waiting list for new clients and I just treat as many people as I could fit in. It was wonderful and it was thriving and no complaints to that. But I couldn't fathom another reality. Again, I grew up, my mom had her own practice, right? And that was what it looked like. And so I was emulating that same look and there was nothing wrong with it, but uh, it didn't fully engage everyone who was looking to actually fully commit. 
it was more of a, a therapy, right? And we can say right. like the therapy is like, <laughs> fix me, solve it. You go to someone else to do it for you. Right. Just patch me up. <laughs> yeah. Patch me up. Right. And like, like people joke about that all the time. Like, oh, Jules, I knew you could fix it. And I knew, right. I knew that if I came to you, you'd know exactly what was going on. It's like, yes, but that's not, that is, that is not where the power is. Right. That, that gives me mm-hmm. some power, but I don't want power over somebody. I, I want to hold a, a role of power with, and that, and it's not to say that, you know, it's opposed to anybody who really loves the therapy because I get it. I, I lived it. I, I get it. But for me, um, holding a space of power with someone to actually be there, to hold up a mirror, to remind them of what they're capable of so that they can recognize they have it within themselves to do the, the work, the transformation, the, um, yeah, the transmutation of old patterns that is where I thrive. That is where my energy comes alive. And that's where I can hold space for somebody to remind them of their capacity. And so through this coaching that I've done, uh, again, long distance, mostly, there are two of my uh, coaching clients who are in person. And it's always nice when they can be in person because I don't have as many people in person as I have virtually now. Um, but that, that ability to be able to hold somebody in that space um, from America, from you know BC, from all over the world, it matters not because all I'm doing is reminding them of what they want, what they're capable of, their relationship with their body and all the promises they made to their body and why they made those promises. Mm-hmm. And then I can use that great skill that I have of being able to deeply tune into their, their energetic resonance and their, you know, cerebral spinal fluid, that like living crystal uh, fluid within them, that is the resonance chamber for everything. Then I get to be the feedback tool, just like I would in real life where I'm like, oh, something just shifted. I could feel that shift all the way down to your pelvis. What, what were you just thinking about? Or what did you just feel there? And they go, wow, yeah, I felt that too. That's so weird because I just had this image of my, you know, my grandma but she was, she came from my left side instead of my right side. And then this color came up and, oh, I feel like I can breathe better now. Right. Again, as always, because I'm a therapist, (laughs) the part I love most is like the imagination piece. That's what I, that's what I love. That's what I do. We're not about judgment or making sense of things. And so I can do all of those things just by closing my eyes and with my, you know, with my uh, stuffed animal, I just uh, say that I'm just putting my hand on their bum and the other hand right underneath their head. And I'm just going to hold space for them. And I want them to focus on, right. And then just lead them. And then they, they can feel it. They know it. There's, there's no doubt about it. As soon as you close your eyes, I can just be right there with you in the same room or, you know, in another country and it's exactly the same. And so it's been quite, uh, powerful, paramount, never would I have guessed it was going to be like this. And it's the most awesome thing ever. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. But you know, it's, that's the thing. It's like, and I, I love feeling all that energy too. My body responds to it so quickly. And it's like, you know, second that I feel it, it's like, oh yeah. Okay. We've been here before. This feels really good. We know this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but ultimately like, we can only do so much for other people unless they actually step into themselves and recognize it within themselves. Right. So, um, yeah, it's so important to, it's like, like you said, it's like a mirror, right? So you're like like reflecting back to people. It's like reminding them. And it's like, we often need those reminders because we get so lost in our, in ourselves and 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 forget so easily. We don't spend a lot of time just being, with ourselves. Right. right? And that's, that's where the power is. And so when somebody commits to doing this, like my one-on-one six month program, they're committing to to being with themselves and continuously practicing what their body wants from them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's phenomenal because the first two people that graduated from my program said the exact same thing. And, you know, I was like, wow, they just said the exact same thing. There must be something to this. The first thing 
was that they couldn't even recognize themselves from six months ago. Oh, wow. And I was like, that is crazy. Like, can't even recognize yourself, right? And they both said it. So it wasn't just like a fluke. Okay. Right. And the second one, again, same wording. I was floored. I feel like I'm light years ahead from where I was six months ago. Wow. Right. So it's like that, that extra energy, that extra investment that you're putting in yourself continually. uh, It's, it's like a meta investment. It just continues to build and build and build and build to the point where by the time you've built on yourself, by yourself, for yourself over and over and over and over again, you, you believe it just is. It's like you tip the, you tip the scale, the teeter totters like, Oh yeah, here we go. Right. It can't be any other way. Oh, right. How could I have ever thought it could be weird? Yeah. yeah. It's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I'm continuously floored by it, even though I get to, you know, just like in my practice before in cranial sacral therapy, but I would see people once off, but never did they commit to continual. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference is that it wasn't that they didn't have transformative experiences, but it's almost like taking a, taking a a hit of psilocybin, right? Like actually just having a magical experience, taking acid or LSD or 5-MeO-DMT, like having an amazing psychedelic experience, but then never actually integrating it. Right. right. Or, or as soon as it gets scary, like, Oh, that was kind of uncomfortable. I'll wait until the next time my body, you know, I hurt myself. Then I'll go see Jules. Cause really we got into some stuff that mm, I want to dig into. Right. Versus people going, I actually want to make this shift. I've now paid to make this shift and Jules is going to hold me to it. Oh my God, this is scary, but Oh my God, this is exciting. Cause I know at right. the other end, I'm going to come out transformed. <laughs> And <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We just, we need the accountability, right? Like many yes. of us do. It's so hard too. to, yeah. Like I, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. Most we, we all do. If, if we know somebody else is there to, and they're going to keep asking and they're going to keep pushing, then they provide the accountability. Now, I'm, I'm pushing with your body's innate wisdom's message. So it makes it even better in that regard, right? But accountability on its own in general is super powerful because you know somebody cares and they're walking mm. on the path with you and they're not going to, they're not going to stop because they promised they wouldn't, right? Or you paid them not to, right? Like right. There's, <laughs> there's a commitment, there's a commitment that has been made that's now, that's now in. And nothing, you know, nothing, nothing. If there was some sort of you know, emergency or something like that, you could stop the commitment. But in general, like nothing is going to stop them from holding space for you. Now you have to like live up to that commitment. Yeah. Right. right. It's, it's the same uh, as a mentor. I've been, I've mentored people before as well. And it's that same piece where if I said, you know, like I mentored a woman named Jenny and she's amazing. And I said, I trust that you know exactly what to do. And she said, it's crazy because that trust means that I feel like I do have everything that I need. Because if you trust me, then I must, I must be capable of this. Right. And so it's that it's the same thing when you have somebody behind you who truly trusts that you're going to be able to do it, then there's an entirely different energy behind you and you start Mm -hmm. believing it too, because you can't not. Right. 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 I wouldn't take anybody that I thought couldn't make it through. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's the thing like we're so hard on ourselves and we often can't see our own innate abilities or gifts. Um, and so I was just reminded to you with, um, with human design, because you're also a projector, right? Yes. <laughs> so this is also like such a perfect fit for you, right? So the whole projector thing is like being able to see into the other, right? So it's like yes. you can clearly see what's there and then like help people to just draw that out and step into it. Yes. And uh, again, for those of you who don't know much about human design, uh, that design as a projector, which is 20% of the population is projectors and then there's manifestors and manifesting generators and reflectors and such. 
But the other thing that I need is I need to be invited. And so by the time somebody is committing to being a part of this process, they've invited me into it, right? I've made sure it's a good fit for me as well, right? I'm not going to take anybody that's not going to be a good fit for them or for me, right? Um, But that like I am waiting for an invitation. And then once the invitation is a good fit, then it's a go. And so that, right. uh, that is also paramount. And in fact, in the program, the, uh, I just had somebody graduate today. So it's so oh, perfectly amazing because at the beginning of the program, we do the, the human design blueprint with my friend Eliza. Okay. And then midway through the program at the three month mark, we do a deep dive into the human design. And then at the end, we do a shamanic journey and it's based on all of you know, cultivated all of the, um, and harvested all of the experiences that we've had throughout our time together. And then she makes a sacred art project out of it. So it's something you can see constantly oh. afterwards to know how much you've grown. Yeah. But the, the human design is so helpful because if somebody is, let's say a sacral authority, then I know to ask them yes or no questions because their body will instantly have an answer, right. Versus, yeah. you know, all of the different types of people have to go, oh yeah, that's a manifester. A manifester is constantly getting ideas, uh, but there are they informing, right? Or that, uh, you know, a manifest or a generator or a manifesting generator, uh, are they responding or are they thinking they have to make something happen? Because unless they're responding to something, that's not going to fly. So we just keep, keep bringing it back to oh, wait a second, like, did you wait for this? Or what were the events and sequences that happened leading up to that when you were five, right? What would you, what, how is that different now when you listen to your body or how does it want to be different? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. right. If I was just responding, okay, take it through that. What does that feel like when, when you're allowed to just respond instead of make things happen? Ah, and sometimes it's like, you know, time-lapsed, time future travel, future past travel, uh, you know, human design, fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. I love that you use all that. It's, uh, I haven't delved too deeply in into the human design world, but um, from what I do understand, it's just, I feel like already it's just helped me have even the words to help um at least let others know what it is that I'm needing for myself. Right. It's just, yeah, I find it it's so true. Sense. That's, that's what you can say. Actually, it's my design that I have, I have to wait for an invitation. So I haven't reached out because I knew that once the time was right, you would reach out. Right. And then they go, Oh, oh okay. Gotcha. Right. It also yeah. alleviates a lot of, a lot of pressure to be somebody that you're not most importantly. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so been cool. illuminating for a lot of a lot of people in fact mm-hmm. my daughter's friend was over the other day and uh, I said would you like to know your human design I think it'd be helpful like if we all knew each other's and she turned out to be a projector as well just like my okay. kids and me so there's four of us when she's around oh no way oh, they both are okay Arjuna is also a projector, but then Kai and Bodhi, I can't remember what they are right now, but they're both something different. <laughs> it is, it's a great benefit considering you work with a lot of mamas and there's a lot of mamas mm-hmm. listening here, right? Uh, if you can just go to the free website, Jovian Archives, I think it's called, you can probably put it in your show notes, but you can look up your kids' human design. And depending on their human design, you can get a better feel for how to best parent them. Because my daughter, uh, she's a projector, but she's a hermit uh, opportunist. So she naturally just hermits in a room. Mm. And like, if I didn't know that that was her natural, I would think there was something wrong, right? We always think wrong uh, with people when it's actually really their design. But now that I know that, it's like, okay, that's her design, but she doesn't like to get bored. So I need to create opportunities and invite her because she's a projector. I need to invite her to some opportunities so that she leaves that space and doesn't just get, you know, enthralled in it so much that she just gets frustrated because mm-hmm. she's hermited too much. Right. So it's a fine balance, but as a parent to actually discover and look a little bit deeper at your child's human design, and you can do all the research on YouTube. It's not like you have to spend a lot of like money by any stretch, but it's worth the right. time and energy especially if you have a kid that you just don't know 
like, oh, I just don't get this kid. You're probably very different in your design from theirs. Um, right. And it would probably be of great benefit to, to look that up for sure. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> Definitely recommend checking it out for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. All right. Um, before we close out, is there anything else on your heart or your mind that you wanted to share? Mm. Yeah, I guess that it's just been a, such a pleasure knowing you, Lisa, for so long. Now that our kids are so old, uh, the fact that they've got to grow up together and still, even though we live in a different province, uh, I'll, I'll hear, oh, yeah, because we're going on a canoe trip with your kids this, this summer, right? The end yeah. of the summer. And uh, they're so looking forward to all get, getting to go on another canoe trip. And uh, it's those bonds that you make uh, when your kids are little or at any age, really, where you can just continuously keep gathering them together where they actually have to have relationships that they like, but that they're challenged by, but they know that they're going to have to grow into because it's easy enough, just like I was talking about with teenagers, it's easy enough if it was just another friend that they're like, ah, I don't really like that person anymore. And, you know, ah, I just won't see them. It's like, no, you're going to see them all the time because as parents, we're all going to be getting together and all the kids are going to be there. So it's, a good idea to work this out. Is there something that we, you know, what is it that's coming up? And is it something that you think that it would be helpful for me to talk to the other parent about, right? But that knowing that you're not going to end relationships unless obviously they're, they're unhealthy in bigger ways, right. um, but you're not going to end relationships with these friends. And so they're going to have to learn to work through their dynamic relationship in new ways. And I think that's super powerful to, remember that those, you know, lifelong relationships always have challenges and they don't have to be best friends, but that Mm -hmm. knowing that, uh, knowing that there are relationships outside of school and outside of the normal peer groups. And it's so beautiful to have those. And obviously for us to have, you know, continued relationships where I get to take you for beach walks, even though you're in in Kitchener and I'm in, you know, walking along the ocean, but uh, it feels like you're there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. You yeah. know, it's been so nice too. Um, because I feel like maybe the kids have like a little bit more reconnected as of recent. And so I know that they have been know, Hayden, Yeah, and like Kai and Hayden text each other and then you know she's been talking to Tara a bit more too. And you know, she's telling me lately that you know she really misses them. And so it's just really nice to know that they're still connected with each other in that way. Yeah, it's yes. so great. And also uh, the books that I wrote, I did do an audio book and yes. I'm happy to yeah. share it. Um, but also yes, the books are available on Amazon. It's called Raise Future Leaders, Three Simple Steps to Transformational Parenting. So I made one book uh, with, I love pictures. So it's got lots of pictures that I drew. Uh, and then there's a smaller book that is the Simple Parenting Pocket Guide, which I have uh, I have moms buy them and say, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read the big one and I'm going to have my, my husband with a pocket guide. Cause he, I, I think he'll get that better. <laughs> Not to say that I don't have a lot of dads read the, the big one too, but uh, yeah, if you want to check it out, it's on Amazon. Um, and I do have an audiobook uh, version that I'm happy to, I'm trying to think of, uh, I was going to try to give it away as a free gift for signing up on my website, but I haven't started mm-hmm. that one yet. But if you are really interested, I can send you the link. Just, uh, just send me a message at jewels at cranial waves, cranial, like the head waves, like the ocean.com. And my new website is up. If you want to check out what I have to offer, I'm going to be starting a new group program starting in the fall, I think. So that's a, a new endeavor okay. for me, apart from the one-on-one six-month uh, coaching program. But you can find that at Jules, J-U-L-E-S, hair, H-A-R-E, dot C-A. And uh, anything you want to find, as well as all the other podcasts that I've done, uh, they are all there. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be a part of this amazing community of uh, mamas that are wanting to grow and 
yeah, sharing their amazing gifts with the world and maybe not quite sure how. I also do sessions with kids long distance as well, even though you think that would be crazy and, and, you know, hectic. And sometimes it is depending on the kid, but uh, other times it's, it's really helpful. And a lot of the time it's all about moms giving a session for themselves and that helps the, the kids surprise, right. surprise. Right. <laughs> right. For sure. <laughs> we, we hold a lot of stuff and we don't realize it's affecting our kids. And when we make even just tiny shifts, then they can shift, even if it's just a little bit of shift of understanding them a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. I'll definitely link to all of those different things in the show notes too, to make it easy for everyone. But yeah, that's incredible. Um, well, thank you so much. Jules out. She's doing such incredible, incredible, beautiful work in this world. So please go check her out. And uh, yeah, some of the other podcasts that you've done have been absolutely enlightening as well. So have a listen there too. <laughs> thank you so oh, much, amazing. Lisa. Yeah, thanks so much for coming to chat with me today. This was so lovely. It's always so nice to chat with you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And thanks to everybody for listening. And Please feel free if this uh, lands in your heart to reach out or most importantly, just to keep leaning into your own heart because that's where all of the answers are. And if you need help navigating it, there are lots of people in this world who are happy to help. So don't forget to lean into all the sisters out there. Yeah. Yes. We need each other for sure. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay. Big Thanks, love. love you. Love you too. Bye, Liz. Bye. Bye, everybody.